inside of me. You have residence inside of them. I pray that their ears might be open to hear the word of God for the first time, Father God, or the hundredth time. But may this word produce fruit in their lives. May everyone have understanding this morning about what you want to say to them. Move me out of the way. It's not about me. It's about you. I give you my voice to communicate with these people. Holy Spirit, help me. I am weak, but with you, I am strong. Church, can you say this with me? Lord, I am weak, but with you, I am strong. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give it up for our praise and worship this morning? Thank you all so much for the sacrifices that you make in order to help us worship the Lord. So we are still in a series called Your Kingdom Come. Your Kingdom Come is such an important thing to talk about because God's kingdom is already here. Now, the kingdom of heaven we haven't entered there yet, but the kingdom of God, we are all able to be a part of even now. So as I get to my notes here, I want you to look at the person beside you and tell them welcome to new life. Thanks for coming. You look good. God bless you. All right. All right. Here we go. Are we in November? What month is it? November. All right. That's, that's, is it, is Thanksgiving in November? Oh, yeah. Thanksgiving. I, I like Thanksgiving. All right. Your kingdom come. The title of the message is Your Kingdom Come. And the subtitle is Manifesting the Kingdom, part two. So God is real, right? So how many have seen uh, what the wind does to something when it blows? Raise your hand if you've ever seen something flying in the wind. Leaves a picnic table, right? The wind moves things. So you can't actually see the wind, but you can see what the wind does. So that's the same with God. You can't see God right now, but you can see what he's doing and you can see what he's up to. And the Bible says that his kingdom has come. Just a quick recap of last week. We talked about how the light of God has come into this world. It has been manifest, which means to be clearly visible. So God and what he is able to do is clearly visible in our lives right now, right? So I'm not who I used to be when I was a sinner. It's clearly visible now. I can go around some of my old drinking buddies and smoking buddies, and there's, they can clearly see that this isn't the sin. They used to call me D back then, right? I wasn't a gangster, just, just D, right? Not D dog, not D money, not D killer, just D, all right? And they can see that there's a change that has happened inside of me. Something that God has done. Because listen, those guys I used to smoke and drink with 20-something years ago or more, some of them haven't changed yet. So that tells me that what happened to me is not maturity. Like you don't grow out of sin. There has to be a defining moment in which you've been transformed. And that's exactly what God has done for all of those who he has saved. Is anyone here a witness to say that God totally transformed your life when you allowed him to come in, that you don't do the things you used to do, don't even have the same desires that you used to have anymore? And that tells me right now that the kingdom of God has been manifested in this earth. He really exists and he really makes a difference in the lives of those who believe in him. So 
The prophecy of long ago was that the people who sat in darkness would see a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light would shine. And then Jesus from that moment began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. So in order to receive the kingdom of God, you must repent of your sins because he has made it available three things. Three things that Jesus Christ made available when he came to this earth. Number one is righteousness. Righteousness is right standing with God. Righteousness means that your sins have been moved away and cleared, and God sees you just as holy as he does Jesus. Jesus did that for you. The second thing that Jesus came to bring was peace. None of God's enemies have peace with him. You don't have peace with God until you give your life to God. We are enemies of God while we are sinners, but one, once you receive salvation, you have peace with God. You don't have to fear God, and you don't have to fear death. I do not fear death. If you've been born again, you should not fear death at all because you really don't die. You just go from living life on earth to living life in the presence of God. So your death has been swallowed up, right? So praise God for that. And then finally, the last thing that God gives you is joy right? So that's something that we really need to hone in on is joy, because we got a million and one reasons going across our news feeds and broadcasts uh, at television every day about why we shouldn't have joy. Maybe your bank account even speaks to you this morning about why you don't have joy, but you're in big trouble if joy is attached to anything but God, because joy comes from God alone. So the kingdom of God has been manifested in this earth. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So it's spiritual. Church, can you say this with me? It's spiritual. There's so much that you don't see. The Bible says that things that you can see are temporal. They're temporary. They're passing away. Just like my hair and my hairline. It is passing away, right? It's only temporary. Nobody told me that I look bald from the front unless I go like this now, right? I'm passing away. I'm getting older, right? So everything that you can see is temporary. So I, I'm very hopeful this morning. Listen, broadcast, don't put your joy in anything that you can see because it's all passing away. You've got to have joy in something that is invisible, and that is Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God, and it will last forever. I taught you last week that there's a prayer of manifestation. So if you desire to see the kingdom of God come into your life, righteousness, peace, and joy, if you're lacking any of those things, you can pray the Lord's Prayer. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That is praise to God. Thy kingdom come. That's the purpose of God. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's the priority of the kingdom, that whatever is happening in heaven can happen right now in my life if I pray. Give us this day our daily bread. So all of you that are lacking provision, you're saying, I'm struggling to pay my bills. I'm struggling to feed my family. First of all, do you belong to God? Are you serving God? Because there's benefits that come with serving the Lord. But then you can also pray for your daily bread, and he will give that to you. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So the love that we receive from God as we ask him to forgive us of our sins, listen, it's not worth not going to heaven because of something somebody did to you on earth. The Bible says that unless we forgive others for what they've done to us, then we can't be forgiven of our, ourselves by God. 
And you say, well, you just don't know what they've done to me. Well, listen, the love of God is powerful. So you don't have to find it within yourself to forgive. You can say, Lord, please help me forgive this person for what they've done to me, to me, just as I'm expecting you to forgive me for what I've done to you. Believe me, it works. I've had some people do some terrible things to me in my life, but they were not worth missing heaven over. No person is worth missing heaven over. So begin to pray. If people come to mind right now that you can never forgive for what they've done to you, you need to pause in this moment and say, Lord, help me. Lord, be merciful towards me right now because I struggle with forgiving this person. But here's what you need to know. When you forgive someone, it doesn't excuse the sin that they've done against you. It just takes it to a higher court. Church, can you say higher court? Higher court. When you forgive someone, you dismiss charges against them and you give them to God. And say, okay, God, I'm giving this to the higher court. You handle this. It's out of my hands. I forgive them. It doesn't mean that you have to go camping with them next weekend. It doesn't mean that you have to be buddy-buddy or best friend with them. But it does, it does require that when God looks upon your heart, he doesn't see charges against anyone. You need to be free from that. So, Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name, if, if there's anyone in here that struggles with any kind of abuse that they've suffered, any kind of uh, marital treatment, divorce that they've suffered, God, Help them forgive that person or those people, especially family. Sometimes family can hurt us more than anybody. So if there's anyone in here right now that's struggling to forgive a mother or a father, Father, would you help them with your love? Would you give them of your love so that they can give that love to that person? In Jesus' name, amen. This morning we're talking about the kingdom right? And the kingdom of God is righteousness. That's a righteous act. You're able to do that because of what Jesus has done for you. You want to be forgiven, so you're required to forgive as well. So the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 34, that we're not supposed to worry about anything, what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, what we're going to uh, have. Verse 33 says this, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. If you're a Christian, you should be living a very blessed life. I'm not saying a royal life. I'm not saying that you, you, you drive this or you live there. I'm saying that you should be blessed because the Bible says that God has, he knows everything that you have need of before you even ask. So I'm not saying that God will give you all of your wants, but all of your needs should be met. How many can testify that to say, you know what? Yes, God does meet my needs 100% of the time. I might not have everything I want, and sometimes God doesn't give you what you want because if he gave you that, you turn your back on him. So we need to be kept at a level to where we are, are, are totally dependent upon God and that we would never leave him over things. That's very important. So the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. So what is the kingdom of God? Romans 14, 17 tells us that it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So how do we then see the kingdom of God come and his will be done? Church, how do we get God to move on our behalf? Has he set up a system in which his people can do something that will require him to move on their behalf? Yes. And the Bible says that when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, Jesus taught them the Lord's prayer. And here's what the Lord spoke to me just last week. In order to see, in order to see the kingdom, we must tip it towards us. 
right? So God's got all kinds of things stored up for his people, but you need him to tip it and pour it over into your life, right? So it's no different than you being at a restaurant and your cup is dry, right? And you desire more water or whatever you were drinking, and you finally raise your finger towards the waitress or waiter, and they come over and they refill your cup, right? So if any of you are thirsty this morning, you're not seeing the kingdom of God being manifested in your life. You're not seeing the miracles. You don't have joy. You don't have peace. You don't have righteousness and love and all those things that he promises. You can tip the kingdom of God your way. And that's, here's what that stands for. T-I-P, tip, time in prayer. If you would spend time in prayer, it would tip the kingdom of God towards you, and he would have a willingness to bless you. You've got to be willing to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You must have time in prayer because the Bible says that the effectual and fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. So here we go. So if I've got more time worrying about the situation than I have praying about the situation, then I'm not going to see the kingdom of heaven tip towards me. How many of you, by a show of hands, ever worry? Ever. All right, hands down. By a show of hands, how many of you pray? Hands up. Now, don't raise your hand on this one. How many of you worry more than pray? I guarantee you a lot of hands would go up, right, if you'd be willing to, to be real. That doesn't tip heaven towards you. Worry, God does not respond positively to worry. God does not respond positively to murmuring and complaining, right? But if you pray, church, please hear me this morning. If you want to see some things change in your life, some of you are still upset about what happened last Tuesday uh, and with the vote and everything, but what do you expect people who don't serve God to do, right? How do you expect them to vote? If you want to tip the kingdom of heaven towards this earth, you must begin to pray. It's, it's so wild to me how none of us say, okay, time to worry, and then just start worrying, right? The worry just happens. What if we could flip it? What if we would just go into prayer like that, just like we go into worry automatically? What if we could flip the scale and say, okay, God, from now on, I commit myself to praying instead of worrying. Then you would tip the kingdom of heaven towards you. Why? Because it is not fear that moves God. It is faith. And when you pray, you are initiating a signal from earth, you're shooting a flare. Prayers are flares that are shot up to heaven, and he sees our prayers, especially, church, if you pray his word. That's what you got to pray. Please learn how to pray the Bible. So when you are praying for something, make sure you've got some verses to back it up, because from heaven, God looks on the earth, and he says, I look over my word to perform it, right? So if you're praying the word, right? So for example, uh, he will meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory. So if I have needs, I say, Lord, you promised in your word that you would meet my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He's able to look over that prayer, hear that prayer, and perform that prayer because we're moving 
by faith. If you want to move backwards in life, be afraid and be worried. If you want to move forward, then you got to start praying and you've got to start believing. The problem with worry is you become your own God. The, the reason worry leads you to depression and it causes you to implode is because that you become your own God when you worry. You're thinking, well, how can I do this and how can I do that? And then you get frustrated because you understand that I can't do any of this stuff. I can't pay this bill. I can't fix my kids. I can't fix my boss. And that just begins to deplete you and depress you. And that is why you must spend time in prayer. Church, repeat after me, please. Time in prayer. That's how you tip the kingdom of God into your life. Don't like the way your children are acting? Tip the kingdom towards them. Pray over them. I'm guilty of this myself. We spend so much time fussing at our kids. We should spend more time praying over them, right? Tip the kingdom of God towards them. So I've got good news for you this morning. God doesn't want his kingdom or his glory to be healed. I'm sorry, uh, hidden. He desires that it be revealed. God wants to show up in your circumstance and situation. Some of you who feels like you're drowning with so many problems in your life right now, you've got to understand that each one of those could turn into a flare. Each one of those can turn into a prayer where God is, is able to show up in that situation so that you can be free from that thing to give God glory and people understand that you serve the true and the living God. Let's go to Daniel chapter 2. Verse 22, I'm here to show you today by the power of God and by the testimony of Scripture that God wants to show up in your life. Church, say this with me. God wants to show up in my life. All right, let's get into the Scripture. Daniel chapter 2, verse 22 says this. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. So there's some things that God knows that we don't know, but yet God wants to reveal them to us. He wants to tell us about his goodness. He wants his glory to be revealed in the earth. Listen to this. How do we get to see God then? God, I need to see you. I need, to, I need you to show up in my life. I need you to show up in my situation. How do we do that? Jeremiah 29, 13 gives us the key, church. Here is the key for God to reveal deep and secret things to you. Here is the key for God to bring his glory into your situation, for him to bring the light into your darkness. Je Je Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Too many times, the only time we really look for God is when we're in trouble. And then when we get out of trouble, we stop looking for him. I'm trying to tell you secrets this morning. The secrets are that God wants to reveal deep and hidden things to you. And you have to find him first. That's the whole key. So many times we come to God for a thing. And then when we get the thing, we walk away from God. But here he's saying this. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Father, I pray over these people right now in Jesus' name that you would become the number one desire of our hearts. We will only find you when we seek for you with all of our heart. 
If that's what you want, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Father, please help me to seek you with all of my heart. Then I will find you. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, I know there's a ton of distractions happening in here right now, and it's the enemy's desire to steal this message because God wants some revelation to happen in this place. So, Father, I pray right now that every distraction would stop. Let peace come in this place right now in the name of Jesus. Open up their ears, God. The enemy's trying to steal this word. As soon as a syllable comes out of my mouth, I see the enemy trying to snatch it away. Satan, you're a liar. You're a thief. You've been caught. We declare now in the name of Jesus Christ that although the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Lord, you have come that these people might have life and they might have it more abundantly. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So God wants to reveal himself in your life. Listen. There's so many people in this world that are lost and they don't know God. And God wants to show up in your situations so that they can see that God is real and that he loves you and that there's a way out for them too. So let's go to 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 7 through 9. Now Solomon was an earthly king, but yet God blessed him with more riches and more wisdom than any man has ever had in the earth. No one will ever be as rich as King Solomon. Now, God visited Solomon uh, in a dream after Solomon had sacrificed 1,000 sacrifices upon the mountain. God showed up to Solomon and said, Solomon, ask me for anything and I'll give it to you. And all Solomon asked for was wisdom. Church, can you say wisdom? That was such an important request. God, just give me wisdom. And he said, because you asked for wisdom and didn't ask for riches, I'm going to give you even that that you did not ask for. But listen to me. When God blessed Solomon with all these riches, it wasn't a secret. He didn't say, I'm going to give you a hidden kingdom. I'm going to give you more than I've ever given anyone, but no one else can see it. When God gives us something, he wants people to see it. Why? So that his glory can be revealed. So Solomon had a visitor one day, and her name was the Queen of Sheba. Let's listen to her firsthand account of what it looked like to see the glory that God had blessed Solomon with. I'm trying to tell you that no king has a kingdom that he does not want to show off. God wants to show off in your life and in your situation. So may faith come into this place right now. For those of you that are going, th going through things, I'm trying to tell you that God wants to show up in your life and in your situation so that he might be glorified. Listen to what she said. I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes. In fact, I had not heard the half of it. Your wisdom and property are far beyond what I was told. How happy your people must be. What a privilege for your officials to stand here day after day listening to your wisdom. What does Solomon ask for? Wisdom. Okay, so it's being shown off, right? So listen to this, verse 9. Praise the Lord your God. Listen to me, church. This is huge. Please don't miss this part. God wants to show up in your life in such a way 
that when people see what he's done for you, they don't say, wow, you're awesome. They say, praise the Lord your God, right? That's what God wants to do in our lives. You are extensions of the kingdom of God. Where's the kingdom of God at? In us. God wants to show off his kingdom in us. Solomon had a physical kingdom for, for someone to see, but you have a spiritual kingdom living on the inside of you. Verse 9, praise the Lord your God who delights in you and has placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king so you can rule with justice and righteousness. So Solomon was visited and his kingdom glory was revealed. All over this world, there are wonders that have been made with men's hands, but there are some things that men cannot make and we've got to stop asking them to. Listen, people can't make you happy. If you want your heart to be broke, then you, you count on people to make you happy. People don't make you happy. Happiness is a decision. You've got to choose to be happy, right? Because circumstances for happiness are not always going to be present, right? It's not always going to be 73 degrees and sunny. There's not always going to be uh, no line at QP, right? <laughs> Things aren't always perfect for you. So if you want a QP burger bad enough, you're going to wait in that line. And people do it every single day. And they choose to wait. Church, can you say choose? Sometimes, church, you got to choose to wait on God. Sometimes God doesn't show up when you want him to, but you've got to determine and be in your heart that, you know what? I'm going to wait on the Lord, and I'm going to choose to be happy while I wait. Right? Choose to be happy because Jesus is the, your joy. He is your righteousness, and he is your peace. So, Jesus came in the flesh, and his kingdom was not physical, but within him. Listen to what John chapter 1, verses 14 through 15 said. So listen to this. So when Solomon was king, Sheba came and saw the kingdom and said, wow. Church, can you say, wow? That was weak. Say, wow. All right. She said, wow. Now, Jesus came to earth and he says, repent and be baptized for the kingdom of heaven is, the kingdom of God is at hand. So if this is true, if Jesus was who he said he was, and he, did, and he was a representation of the Father, and the kingdom was in him, then when people saw him or had experiences with him, they should be just as impressed as Sheba was with seeing natural things. Now, let's see what John the Baptist had to say. We're in John chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. So remember when I told you what Sheba said? I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes, all right? That was her first account, first-hand account of seeing a, a physical kingdom. Now, let's listen to what John the Baptist said. So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. This is a first-hand account. So what John the Baptist is saying is we saw Jesus in the flesh. We saw the Word of God, and we saw his glory. 
They're not saying we heard what he said and, you know, we believed it and it was pretty cool what he said. They said, no, 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 no. We didn't hear about his glory. We saw his glory. We beheld the glory of the one and begotten son of God. Verse 15, John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds. This is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed before me. God has a glory. And he desires that this glory show up in the lives of his people. So my question to you, church, this morning is this. Where does the kingdom need to come into your life? Where does righteousness need to be revealed? Think about your life. Is there anything unrighteous in your life or surrounding you right now? Are you struggling with pornography? Are you struggling with alcoholism? Are you struggling with anger? Are you struggling with bitterness? Are you struggling with self-worth and depression? Like, where does God's righteousness need to show up and be revealed? Because when his righteousness shows up and, and is revealed, then you're made totally new. You're transformed by the glory of God. God shares his glory with you in your life. So that's my question. My question for you this morning is, where does God's peace need to show up in your life, right? That's the kingdom of God. Some of you are sitting here right now, and you really don't have peace, but you say you know God. So you need to be able to say, God, I want to see your peace in my life. And the way you do that is by saying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is it in heaven? He's reigning with righteousness. He's reigning with peace. He's reigning with joy. And he's saying, if you want it to be deposited into your life, just tip the kingdom of God towards you. Some of you are just so tired. Life is just wearing you out. And he says, we even have the verse up here, right? It says it right here. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What will he give you? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest into your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come on now. If we serve God, we should look like it. If we, if we serve God, we should be experiencing his righteousness, his peace, and his joy. Remember, remember this scripture, especially all of you who are heavy hearted. And I just saw one of you. You're heavy hearted. Please listen to this message. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. So listen, God doesn't want you looking for him just with the strongest parts of you. He even wants the unbelieving parts of your heart. You got to be willing to pray this prayer. You got to be willing to say, Lord, I believe, but can you just please help my unbelief? Searching for him with your whole heart means that even when you doubt, even when you have fear, even when you don't understand, you say, you know what? I don't care. I'm still going to come looking for you, God, with all of my heart, and then I will find you. We have a God that desires to show himself, to expose his glory to us. We learned that in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, you shall say this to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. So Moses said, who should I tell them has sent me? He said, tell them my name is I am that I am. What's that mean? I will be what I will be. So God is multifaceted, not one dimensional. 
So you have to be able to know him to seek him. If you don't know he's a healer, then you don't know to seek him for healing. This is just so important. God has so many faces and he has so many dimensions and he has so much power and so much glory. He's not just a one-faced God. So he said, just tell them, I am that I am, right? So God can be so many things. So in order to, to see God move, instead of always asking God to make a way, we need to ask him and say, God, I desire to be more intimate with you. You are the way maker. The way maker. So there is a glory that he is doing that is to be manifested inside of us. I've got a few more examples, and then we're going to close this down. We're going to Luke right now, chapter 7, verses 11 through 19. So as we get ready to go there, it was about 11 years ago or more that I laid dying in St. Rita's Hospital on one of the K floors. My kidneys had failed. They said I needed an emergency operation to save my life and to start dialysis in that moment. I have seen God heal other people, but I had never seen a dynamic healing in my own life. Not long after that, my wife, Brooke, she heard a loud noise come from upstairs, and she said it sounded like a dresser fell over. She rushed upstairs, and she found me lying on the ground with blood coming out of my mouth, my tongue bitten, and my eyes rolling in the back of my head. I lay dying on the floor. Sometimes you'll find yourself in some situations where you won't be able to pray for yourself, that it will take someone else praying for you to bring you back. So I didn't know that God was, well, I knew that he was called Jehovah Jireh. I knew that he was called Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha means the God that heals us, but I had never needed a healing to that dimension. But I'm here today telling you that over 11 years ago that I came to know God as Jehovah Rapha, which means God, my healer. People came into my hospital room, army veterans that have seen Hundreds of people die. Army veterans came into my room and looked at me, and they said, man, Tibbs, I knew that was the last time I see you alive when I saw you. You looked bad. I'm telling you, people that have watched people die looked at me dying, and they said in their own hearts, he's not going to make it. But when my God's name is I am that I am, right? When my God's name is Jehovah Rapha, he is able to do the impossible and, church, can you say and? and? Not only is he able to do the impossible, he wants to. So you have to create an environment in your life to where God will show up and it takes faith. Fear attracts the enemy. Fear attracts the demonic. Just like food under your refrigerator attracts mice, Fear attracts darkness. The t-shirt I wore today said, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You've got to stop being so afraid. The devil has been defeated. God reigns and he reigns alone. And you have to call upon his name and he will answer. He will not ignore you. But the time to be afraid is over. Fear must be gone. Even the soldiers during the days of Gideon were dismissed if they were afraid. If you're afraid, it's time to stay in the house, but you've got to know that God is God everywhere. God is God in Israel. God is God in Kenton. God is God in Lima. We don't have nothing to be afraid of. He wants his glory to be manifested. 
Let's go to Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Here we see that he ran into a crowd of 10 lepers. He healed them. He said, go show yourselves to the priest in verse 14. And it says, as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one else returned to give God glory except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has made, has healed you. So church, I got to let you in on this. Please listen. So while God does do miraculous things for us and he wants his glory to be revealed so that people can see it, don't fail to come back to God and say, God, I thank you. Even while you're asking him for the new thing, don't forget for the one million things behind you that he's already done. Sometimes it's good to just not ask God for anything, but just begin to thank him for everything. Do you ever go into prayer just with a thankful heart to just say, God, I'm not asking for anything new today. I just want to thank you for everything you've already done. I want to thank you for the business. I want to thank you for my family. I want to thank you for the clothes on my back and the roof over my head. You've done so much good already. Right? Come on. We all, maybe not all, we, we all particularly, potentially have that person that when we see their name on our phone, we're like, oh boy, what? do they what do they want we don't want our father in heaven to have that type of attitude towards us we don't want to always going asking 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 we want to go into his presence sometimes just saying god it's me again but no no i don't want nothing this time i don't want anything i'm just here to say thank you for what you've already done god you've been so good to me you know what god guys that's a secret. That's, that's a secret for antidepressant right there. If you want to get rid of depression, stop thinking about all the things that are wrong and flip your eyes up and say, oh my goodness, God, I am so blessed. Why am I letting this one thing depress me when I've got a thousand things to be thankful for? Lord, I'm so thankful for you. All right, Kimberly, you can come back up right now. Uh, if she's not here, she's not here. Anyone else play the keyboard? All right, come on. Is it your first time? All right. <laughs> so it is the will. The will of the king is for the kingdom to be seen. God wants to, because we're the temples, right? So you, many people walk into this church and they say, wow, it is so beautiful in here. I've never seen this before, right? But God wants to do that for you in your life. He wants people to see what God's doing in your life and for them to say, wow, you are so blessed. Your family looks so happy. Oh, my goodness. But here's what you must do. You must not take the glory for yourself. You must not say, oh, yeah, I've got a degree from Yale. I'm very blessed, very accomplished. No, you say, all glory belongs to God. God did this for me, right? I'm a college dropout. I don't deserve any of this, but God gets the glory for all of this because why? He desires that his kingdom be seen in us. I told you about Jehovah Rapha, how he desires to show up. And he showed up. When Jesus came, 
he went around healing so many people, right? Because he's a healer. When Jesus was here, he went around providing and feeding so many people. Why? Because he's a provider. One of the reasons Jesus came in the flesh was to show everyone the love of the Father. That's how good God is. When you read about Jesus, God was, Jesus was just God in the flesh on this earth so that we know that he is a healer. Why? Because he healed so many people. There was a man once in Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, it says this, large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. Listen to these three words. These three words change everything in your life. These three words should make your prayer so much effective and believing that God wants to do something in your life. Jesus touched him and said this, I am willing. Remember, I just told you that the king of the kingdom, he is willing to show the kingdom to us. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. So what did the man do? He came to him in his broken condition. He came close. He humbled himself and knelt before him. He reverenced him as Lord. And then he moved in faith, seeking God's will. Third John chapter two, verse two says this, beloved, I pray that in every way you may succeed and prosper and be in good health physically, just as I know your soul prospers spiritually. You all remember the woman with the issue of blood. She spent all of her money on doctors, but she determined in her own self, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And she was healed. Our last scripture today. Church, you can stand at this time as we come to a close. My desire would be that you have heard the heart of the Father. He wants to reveal himself in your situation. You've got to understand that your situations that you have in life are just opportunities for God to show up in places that he has not made himself known yet. So just think about what your biggest problem is right now. Your biggest problem. God wants to reveal himself right there. Church, can you say right there? Come on, this is an act of faith right now. Come on, get involved. Listen to me. Think about your biggest issue, your biggest problem. And I want you to see that problem as a stage for God to come and perform and do something miraculous in your life that people all around can see and that you can give God glory and testify that it was God and God alone that did this thing for you. I'm here to tell you today that God is also the God of our righteousness. He is the God that saves us. And this last passage I want to read to you tells us just how incredible God's mercy is for every single one of you, especially those that have not given their life to Jesus yet. Yet. Listen, he wants his kingdom to be full of people. He wants his kingdom to be full of souls. He wants you to be there. Listen to how bad he wants you to be in heaven. 
Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 43 say this. One of the criminals who had been hanged on a cross beside him kept hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us from death. But the other one rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? We are suffering justly because we are getting what we deserve for what we have done. But this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, please remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said to him, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. How bad does Jesus want us to be saved? That while he was dying on the cross, in the middle of two thieves. One thief was mocking him, and the other thief said, you know what, Jesus? I believe you are who you say you are. And I can only imagine him saying, you know, this is probably the worst time in history to be meeting you. I didn't meet you at the temple. I didn't meet you in the streets. I didn't meet you at the tomb of Lazarus. I'm meeting you when I'm being punished to die for my sin. But if you will allow me to, I would love to be in your kingdom. And Jesus said, yes. Let's bow our heads this morning. Jesus, I pray for every soul in this building right now that after their heart stops beating, when they instantly go into another dimension and have consciousness, that they would not find themselves far from you but that they would see your face in peace. This is what today is all about. This is what the baptisms were all about, that people must decide to go into the water, that people must decide to receive salvation, God. So, Lord, as you look around this room, Lord, if today was all of our last days, would you look upon this room, Jesus? Is there anyone here today that if they breathe their last breath today, they would not spend eternity with you. Fix it, Jesus. Holy Spirit, just begin to move upon hearts in here right now. Move upon hearts right now to save them. Jesus died to save you. He wants to show you the kingdom. Oh my goodness, listen. He wants to show you all of you, the kingdom of heaven, but first you must be born again. You must be born again. So Father, if you desire to save anyone today, would you please do it today? Would there be no fear, no embarrassment, no shame? Would they boldly give their lives to you in Jesus' name? Amen.